0: everyone, welcome to Hair of the Werewolf. I'm Lily and I'm here with Chase. What's up? And we are a horror paranormal podcast that likes telling each other true scary stories from all over the world. And we have scary stories today.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, we're actually recording earlier than normal. We we usually record at night when everything's spooky. But uh, (laughs) no, we're middle of the day right now. But that hasn't stopped Lily from busting out her wine.
0: Okay, when you say middle of the day, it makes it sound like it's 11 or noon. It's like 5.
1: So. Yeah, it is like five. It's so. fine, guys. Most people are getting off work. So, yeah. <laughs> I just see the sun up, but I'm not used to it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Not at least when we're recording. Uh, I'm just doing water today. Keeping cool. My birthday's up and coming. I may drink on it, so I'm just savoring that day. Looking mm-hmm. forward to it. But I am happy to mention that we finally saw the horror film Smile. It's now on Amazon Prime Video for any of you that are subscribers, so you don't have to pay for it more than, I mean, you guess you already pay for Amazon Prime. So, after our stories, at the end of the episode, we are going to have a quick discussion about how we feel about the film, thoughts, things like that. So, if that interests you, stick around for that. We are going to keep the discussion after the stories because there is every chance that there's going to be spoilers and whatnot involved. Right. And so, we don't want to ruin it for anyone who is wanting to hear the stories and none of that. So, and... uh I guess without further ado, because I don't think there's any other major I don't think, news. No,
0: we're so boring. Okay, here waiting we go. Waiting
1: for warm weather, and that's about <laughs> it. So, just
0: sadly waiting inside.
1: Jump into your story.
0: Okay, so for my story for today, I got the Trans Allegheny Lunatic Asylum, which is also known as the Weston State Hospital.
1: So, you asked me the other day. <laughs> yeah. We play this game called Left for Dead 2 all the time. Like, every single day we play this game.
0: Yeah, we're a little weird.
1: And when we start one of the levels, Lily's like, pay attention to the sign here. And we start in this forested level. Yeah. And I said, like, Allegheny or Allegheny. I can't it's pronounce Allegheny. it. It's Allegheny. Allegheny. Yeah. And I was like, so is that right related to your story? And you're like, it is. I still don't know why, but yeah. that's in there. So. Well, here's,
0: here's what happened. So I thought it was, and then I Googled it later, and the National Forest is actually in Pennsylvania, and this is in West Virginia. So they really don't have anything in common except for the actual name.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. So but we don't know which one, or is the one from the game the one that's the, that's National, the Forest? National Forest? That's the National Forest, so
0: yeah. Oh, well. I I'm tried. still going
1: to pretend that they're the same.
0: <laughs> Perfect, me too. Uh, so the uh, Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum is located in West-, in West Virginia. This hospital was in operation from 1864 till 1994. The construction had which actually... actually
1: does seem to be a pretty consistent yeah. time frame for... Asylums and uh, penitentiaries, like for it's some like, reason, it's like mid 1800s. And then they made it all the way to like the 80s and 90s, which I find terrifying because I was barely alive at the time. But I wasn't like but we, were we still had this archaic barbaric crap.
0: Oh, yes. All right. Oh, yes. And you will learn more about it. <laughs> the construction actually started years before, but it had a halt because of the little thing called the Civil War. So but it it's finally small. opened. It was just a little thing. It's fine. Now, the building is a gothic-style architecture based on the Kirkbride plan. The design was named after Thomas Kirkbride, who believed the design of a hospital could help heal patients. It's specifically based on the theory that mental health can be healed with natural light and air circulation. The architecture has a Mm -hmm. bat-winged-style floor. So instead of, like, a large square building, it's more elongated, so that way it can maximize, like, sunlight and airflow going into each room.
1: I mean, I... The whole concept there is is there's way too much to talk about and we shouldn't waste uh, a lot of time talking about it. But I will say hospitals with lots and lots of natural light are always the ones that make me happier. So, Well,
0: yeah, of course.
1: So there's got to be at least some level of truth to a happy environment at least helping people who are sick.
0: Exactly. I agree. I totally agree. It also meant to be very self-sufficient. So it had a farm water system and a 600 acre property that allowed patients to kind of roam freely. Patients would also help maintain the property and were taught how to make their own clothes and other trades that could possibly help them when they left the hospital. So they're not just like living on the streets or something sick. Despite these open and free concept, the hospital also required its patients to be separated from anyone they knew personally. So patients would be, would be boarded with strangers and they weren't allowed to receive outside gifts or mail. I thought that was kind of weird mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm.
0: because like, you know, knowing and loved uh, ones that are out there is kind of like helpful to your mental health. Definitely agree. But maybe they were like, no, you have to focus on you. Yeah. Don't like let the outside world that made you sick <laughs> make you sick inside. I don't know. Right. I don't know. We'll see. Patients were admitted for a variety of reasons like asthma, depression, schizophrenia, drug addiction, alcoholism, um, and basically anything that seemed problematic. Things that you might actually need help for.
1: But that are a lot of people wouldn't consider mental diseases now.
0: Um, well, like they're kind of just everything. Like you need help. Yeah. Come here. You might be sick, like drug addiction and stuff like that. That they could help you with therapy or in like, you know, lock you in a room so you don't get drugs (laughs) 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 or whatever.
1: The ultimate goal. Yeah. All right. All right.
0: Um, however, the hospital began admitting people for even broader, more ridiculous reasons like laziness, seduction.
1: <laughs> seduction, huh? <laughs> yeah, being
0: superstitious.
1: <laughs> Chain me to a wall. <laughs> I'm basically
0: number one patient here. Just kidding. <laughs> they, um, but also they included domestic troubles. But this does not mean abuse. It means like the husband cheated on his wife. The wife didn't take it well, so he put her in a hospital kind of mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Not very cool, obviously, but it was basically a way to get rid of a family member you might not care for so much. Gotcha. As long as they could pay, the hospital accepted them. It's not too difficult to see how the hospital would eventually fill up so quickly.
1: (laughs) (laughs) My daughter is seducing people and drinks. Send her to the hospital.
0: (laughs) Oh my God. The design of the hospital was meant to hold up to 250 people, but by the 1950s, it housed 2,400.
1: So, just a little bit over. Just
0: a little overcrowded. And the conditions were, of course, unbearable.
1: Imagine the lines to the bathroom.
0: There were just hallway bathrooms. That yeah, was going to be with
1: 2,000 people. They <laughs> aren't like, going to the bathroom no one's in, waiting. A, in a room. They're just like, wherever I am. Those
0: fields are going to get fertilized. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> there were no sanitation standards, insufficient beds or other accommodating furniture. Hallways would serve as bedrooms, and food was scarce. And obviously, staff was overworked. But don't worry, the hospital did find ways to reduce the overcrowding issues. And if you're thinking, oh, maybe more funding, or they did an expansion, no, no, that's not the answer. (laughs) The West Virginia lobotomy project was developed to cure patients and have them leave the facility even quicker. I have talked about lobotomies in the past, but um, here's a quick review in case you don't remember or you (laughs) blocked it out of your head.
1: It's fun. Get ready.
0: (laughs) So you get a long needle resembling an ice pick, then they shove it in the corner of an eye socket and with a hammer used to break through the bone to reach the frontal lobe. Once inside, the pick is swirled around back and forth to sever connection, all without anesthesia. Although sometimes they were using shock therapy at a high voltage to make sure that the patient passed out before. Yeah. But sometimes they didn't even bother with that. So I, I don't, don't
1: know. recommend it. You can actually see on YouTube videos of doctors. Performing this back in like the 40s or whatnot. Oh yeah, it is not pleasant.
0: I saw it, including the shock therapy it.
1: part at the beginning. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, it's pretty messed up. So their thought was, wow, we've overbooked our our hospital. So instead of accepting, stopping accepting new patients, no. we're just going to electrocute them, swirl up their brains, and then kick them out. I think
0: their idea was like, we're getting a lot of input. We need more output, and whatever solution they found was this. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I when you just said we we we're not changing the input, we just need more output, and it reminded me we just started rewatching that '70s show because on DVD. Oh right! And when Kelso goes to his dad to find out what he does, his dad says <laughs> says, says I do throughput. He's like, so you don't output things or input things? He says, no, we're just about throughput. He's like, what does that mean? And I'm like, yeah.
0: At the end, he's like, I'm just gonna tell everyone you're a farmer. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love that show. Okay, here we go. So about 4,000 lobotomies were performed at the hospital. This isn't to say that the other healing tactics were much better at the time. For example, they did bloodletting, which is when a physician would withdraw blood or treat to treat or cure an illness. Sometimes with leeches. Sometimes they use leeches. That's a more antiquated, although I it's all antiquated. Actually we know now it's healthier to use leeches. <laughs> so the funny thing is we still have that. It's called phlebotomy. Mm-hmm. And but it's used for obviously like when we actually need know certain Blood disorders yep. or whatnot. But yeah, it wasn't just random, like, oh, you're depressed, bloodletting.
1: There are definitely some good purposes for it today that do not fix any of the issues we used to use it for in the past. Mm-hmm. So if someone's cutting your blood or <laughs> if if someone's taking blood out of you because you have a fever, don't listen to that person. They're crazy. You need to go to a real doctor. <laughs> Make
0: sure that they're not from 1864 first. <laughs> exactly. And if they are, then you know why. I personally like
1: my doctors to have been born at least in the 20th or 21st century. <laughs> yeah, well, they, they're they oh, right well, at the 20th, age where they yeah. could just barely do it because if they're born in 2000, they'd be about 23 now, which means they should have enough education to be a doctor if they went straight If for they
0: it. The smartest doctors. They'd have to be really good. They had to be really good, yeah. Yeah. Let's see. So insulin shock therapy, a.k.a. insulin coma therapy. This is when they would be injected with a large dose of insulin to cause a coma that could last up to several weeks. Mm. This was a popular method for schizophrenia. Confinement cribs were used to separate the more violent patients. Mm. They actually look surprisingly like regular cribs, as I found out the ones that they would have used anyway. They had, except the difference is they actually had a top, obviously, to lock them in. And yeah, it looked just like a crib. Totally fine for a baby, but not a grown adult. Restraint chairs were also common. The antiquated version would have looked a lot more like an electric chair. It had restraints on the wrist, ankles, waist, shoulders, and neck. So they were like not going anywhere. Totally. Despite these horrible threats, they didn't always work and violence among patients increased leading to casualties, not just between the patients, but against staff as well. Sure, It's also important to note that a lot of violent patients were intermixed with people that were there because, I don't know, they had like a speech impediment or something. You know what I mean? Like they weren't well separated based on illness or severity. So everyone was kind of like, it was a yeah. Wild West.
1: Considering what I've already heard about the hospital, this is not a surprising piece I'm of news. I'm not surprised,
0: but just to add to the horror here. Patients were murdered, staff would be sexually assaulted, and there was even a nurse that went missing for two months. What? Her rotting body was eventually found at the bottom of an abandoned staircase.
1: <laughs> Wait, okay, so not like not like in a bog half a mile down the road or anything. No. She was in the building. She was in the
0: entire time. And you're
1: saying someone's missing, and they searched the building, and this building is so whatever that in two months of someone being missing, they couldn't find her in a stairwell that existed in the building.
0: Right. So also what I'm getting here is that maybe they just assumed that she quit or they didn't care and they weren't like looking and they're like, oh, she has been missing. She couldn't be at the hospital and then eventually was found. I don't even know if they even bothered to look in the hospital. Man. It's awful. In the 1980s, they tried changing which patients were admitted as a final attempt to reduce population. Even though the numbers did go down, the quality care was still very poor. Despite some antiquated curing methods that had since been banned, unruly patients were still being locked in cages or chained up against walls or just like basically treated like animals. In 1985, the Charleston Gazette did an article that exposed the maltreatment towards patients. The inspector found the place, quote, dirty and unkempt. Patients were left naked, confined to dirty wards with bathrooms smeared with feces, end quote. You. One would think that this article would have caused change and improvements to the hospital, some sort of embarrassment, like, (laughs) come on, people. Something. Something. um, But it didn't. The poor conditions continued all the way into the 90s. Seven years later, in 1992, the Charleston Gazette covered another story, again reporting the abysmal conditions, and also covered a story of a patient named Brian Scott B. who committed suicide but wasn't discovered until eight days later due to neglect. So they weren't even going to check on him probably anyway. That's messed up. And then they were like, oh, we should see what this person we locked Mm -hmm. in a room eight days later. Oh, he's dead. I wonder why. That's so messed up. Yeah. Many patients never got better and would end up spending their entire lives at the hospital, eventually dying and buried in unmarked graves. There's no records found on how many people died, but it's estimated by historians that it might be around 400 to 500 people. I did see another number where they said it could be up to 2,000 people buried at the cemetery, but I'm guessing that these were like documented. And then, but there's so many more that weren't. So we don't know. Finally, the hospital closed down in 1994 after a new law on patient treatments were passed and the fact that the building was falling apart. They were just like, (laughs) oh, that too. That too. Uh, We can't keep going. So here we go. After closing, the building remained vacant, but on occasion would open for events like church events, fairs, and tours. And just like any abandoned building, random people would sneak in and you would think, oh, just like vagrants or teenagers or blah, blah, blah. You know, you're thinking of like horrible people. Of course. (laughs) Well, actually, uh, county police officers snuck in to play paintball. This happened in 1999 and they ended up damaging all four floors with paint. the heck yeah they actually did get in trouble and it led to three of them getting dismissed Wow! so you know you're like oh yeah bad teenagers with their like spray paint or whatever the
1: paintballs (laughs)
0: paintballs, something like but now it's like it's cops um in 2000 there were efforts in converting the building into a civil war museum that included a hotel golf course but that fell through and that did lead into a committee being formed to preserve the building and to hopefully find a decent tenant
1: Well, I mean, let's think about it. Commemorating one of the most deadly events in U.S. history by putting a memorial in a very deadly building where (laughs) lots of people died. There's some sort of poetic similarity there, but it almost feels like an injustice to the people who died in the building because they're forgotten.
0: I mean, they're kind of forgotten. I think if they did a a memorial or like some sort of museum that honored everyone, that's fine. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. the facility actually was a base camp for... An infantry, I guess, like during World War okay. or uh, the Civil War. Okay. So it was like actually important to yeah. the war for a while before it even became a hospital. In 2007, the hospital was auctioned off for 1.5 million. The new owners opened it up for fall festivals, historical tours, and paranormal tours. <laughs> Today, according to the website, there are many different types of tours you can take. So there's the yeah. historical and different types of haunted tours. Just one that lasts. I don't know, a couple of hours where you can, like, tour the place. And they also do overnight haunted tours. Yeah. And that brings me to my hauntings.
1: Excellent. It's all building up to It's this. all
0: building up, man. The haunted stories that have circled around this place started long before the hospital even closed. Here are some of the accounts that surfaced from when the hospital was still in operation and long after it closed. Staff members would quit after being there for a couple of days claiming something was scratching or following them when they were alone. Hmm. Now, granted, I can see how staff would just quit. Yeah, I was was going (laughs) to
1: say, how awful this place sounded, Uh, I was like, I don't know exactly when these people are quitting, but if you're trying to come up with an excuse, like, this place is disgusting and awful and affront to humanity, like, you know what, I'm going to just say a ghost is haunting
0: It was a ghost, I gotta (laughs) go. (laughs) But I mean, I think it could have been, I mean, there were staff that obviously did work there long enough, and then some would come and be like, I don't know what... Is happening, but everything about this place sucks, and they new, just left.
1: New life goal. You and me need to quit a job and blame it on ghosts, and just see how, how it goes.
0: <laughs> Let's see how that goes. <laughs> I
1: can't work at this McDonald's, yo. It's, it's haunted.
0: haunted. And scare everyone as the you leave. The nugs are
1: scratching me all night.
0: <laughs> as they walked down the hallway, they would hear gurneys being pushed down right behind them, and there would be no one there. Crying laughter and guttural screams would be heard in rooms no one else was in. Now, one thing to note is that the walls were specifically built to be two and a half feet thick, so it would be dense enough to muffle the patient's screams. Mm. So hearing the screams already would be weird if there was someone in there. Totally. But there wasn't anyone in there, and you heard screams, so that's a kind of a double whammy there of like, what the F? Apparitions of Civil War soldiers are often reported, as well as previous patients, staff members, children, and shadowy figures. There was one story recorded of a doctor who worked there and claimed to have seen an apparition and then feeling its presence all day. They also believed the apparition followed them home afterwards.
1: Ooh, stalker apparition.
0: Yeah, they quit right after that.
1: But did the stalker keep <laughs> at their house? I
0: don't know. So I actually saw this in two articles, and one of them said that it like lingered on for a while. I don't know what a while is. But that's kind of creepy.
1: Seems like a creepy version of like, what is it, the eHarmony ads? Where they go like, <laughs> we're supposed to be like the app that's meant to be deleted. Like once you find that person's like, the ghost is like, you found me.
0: Yeah, it's like, oh, I don't need this you don't haunted need more, building. You I need you. You don't need you. more ghosts. We're good.
1: <laughs> Forever now. <laughs> <laughs> For any of you that watched, was that Say Yes to the Dress or was that Bridezilla's? Mm-mm. Some sort of wedding It thing. was Say Yes to the Dress. Oh, okay.
0: <laughs> oh my god, You went
1: on a binge of that.
0: Well, it's like, it was on, (laughs) it was when we were in England and it was just like on TV the whole time. I don't know why. (laughs) Anyway, there's also what people call the spying apparitions dressed in white. These spirits will follow people throughout the hospital and then ever so often make their presence known by peeking around doorways. I hate that.
1: (laughs) It could also be that they were just understaffed with nurses and this is how they described the few times they saw a nurse.
0: They're like, oh my God, it's a nurse. Oh, (laughs) no, she's gone. She's gone. (laughs) She
1: just peeks, leaves. (laughs) No wonder conditions are so bad here.
0: Are you alive? Okay, bye. <laughs> not dead yet? Uh, since the hospital closed, it has been featured in every popular ghost hunting show you can think of.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It even had a cameo in Fallout 76 under the name Fort Defiance.
1: Okay, this is upsetting because that's the only Fallout I have not played. <laughs> oh
0: no, I was going to ask if you knew about because it. Because oh, I'm, well. I'm
1: a Fallout fanatic and I love them all. That's the one I didn't play because it was a always online one
0: where oh, everyone plays online, Okay.
1: and when it launched, there was a lot of brouhaha about problems with it, and blah, 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 blah. Uh, our friend Graham, he was playing it, and he said it was really good, and I wanted to, but I just,
0: at I that mean, point, I had already
1: been out a year, and everyone was already playing it online, I just didn't want to be like the new kid on the block who didn't know what he was doing, <laughs> so I never played it. So that makes me sad, because one of the coolest things about the Fallout game, so it Real quick, for anyone who doesn't play the Fallout games, they all take place in the future after a nuclear war. And uh, it's a common trope in different games for them to recreate areas like Fallout 4 was Boston, Fallout 3 was Washington, D.C. And so when you're setting the whole game there, that means they'll take famous buildings Mm -hmm. and incorporate them into the game. But usually they've been changed and stuff because it's kind of alternate history it's kind of fun to go to places that we've actually been to in real life. Yeah, so yeah. Now I'm going to see if I have to can find a video online a of video. people in this building and check it out.
0: Yeah, I didn't even think to do that. I was just like, oh, I'm sure Chase knows exactly what's going on. But I guess not.
1: <laughs> no, I got left behind. <laughs> Lily didn't buy me that game.
0: I know, so sad.
1: She abuses me mentally.
0: By <laughs> not <laughs> Buying him video games. <laughs> oh, uh, that's good enough to
1: send me to the hospital. I should go there. Oh my God, I should tell them. <laughs> I didn't buy him a video game. Take him.
0: <laughs> I'll offer him pennies. <laughs> Um, anyway, this means that enough investigations have been done to reveal information of who might be there, like go specifically. And here are some of them that have been identified. Perfect. The first is Ruth. Ruth likes to hang out on the first floor. No one has figured out why she looks these halls, but what people do know is that she hates men. They tend to be the main target. She also is Ruth
1: supposed is she, to be so. When I'm hearing Ruth, I'm imagining a little girl, but is she a full grown woman? I think or it's a, the
0: idea is that she's a woman, like a like oh okay, yeah, so she's not girl. Yeah, here. okay, yeah. She has been known to throw people against the wall or scratch. Oh, damn. Yeah, it's pretty aggressive. Core. You always know when Ruth is around because she'll start whistling down the hallway. That is, of course, if she decides to give you a fair warning. Oh. On the second floor, which is in Ward Two, there are a couple of ghosts that haunt there. One patient was murdered in his room where he was stabbed 17 times by another patient. In a different room, two patients committed suicide by hanging themselves from their curtain rods. Today, people will see shadowy figures in that room. And during EVP sessions, it's common to hear, get out.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: On the third floor, there's a man who was also murdered by his roommates. First, they tried to hang him, but that didn't work. So they ended up bludgeoning him to death. Activity picked up in this area suggests that his torment soul still roams the hall. Wow. Moving on to the fourth floor. On on this floor, there's a spirit called Lily, who was born at the hospital after her mother committed suicide. But other sources say that it could be the little girl that was dropped off at the hospital after her parents were killed during the Civil War. Either way, she was orphaned and lived at the hospital all her life. Unfortunately, that life was short, after she died from pneumonia at nine years old. Mm -hmm. She likes to hang out in the room located on the east corner of Ward 4 that people call her playroom. In this room, you'll see plenty of toys left for her to play with. Investigators have captured her crying and laughing. She is known to be very mischievous. For example, she would throw her toys around and whisper in people's ears. There's also an AVP capturing her saying, Thanks for the snack. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> so she kind of like has some fun but unfortunately so she's the nice one she's very nice she'll be like playing tricks she might like poke you on the knee or things like that you know what little kids might do so she's not threatening really in any way conversely there's an evil spirit that people call the creeper the entity has been seen crawling along the floor almost like it's dragging its body around at an accelerated speed that's
1: disgusting <laughs> that bothers me
0: yeah so you have like lily who's like super cool and you're like oh this isn't so bad and then you have this other ghost who's, like, dragging its body, trying to scare you. I mean, it's very weird. So you really want to be it's careful. It's eclectic haunted it's a site. It's very eclectic, yeah. There's a ghost called Jacob Ayers. This spirit will walk down the hallway looking for his beer. During an investigation conducted by the Ghost Hunters team in 2008, they learned through the admissions paperwork that in 1892, Jacob was admitted to the hospital for alcoholism and for being delusional. He would roam around the hallways asking everyone to give him his beer back, convinced people were hiding his alcohol. And you can hear that through EVPs, which I thought was pretty cool. I mean, a little sad, but cool.
1: So he was an alcoholic?
0: Yeah, yeah. That's why he was at the hospital.
1: Aww. (laughs) So hearing all these stories, you know, the people who hung themselves and now they're shadowy figures and the alcoholic who died there and everything— it really makes me really worried to die in a really sad place.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. Both,
1: And I mean that both in a physical location, but also a mentally bad place because I'm just hearing all these stories that makes me wonder what if I'm stuck there? If I do that, it's kind of like just try your best your to get through this and get out of here yeah. because you don't want to be stuck here for eternity.
0: It's yeah. It's like in your own torment and you never moved on, not in the living and not in the dead.
1: It's really disturbing. Anyway. <laughs> yeah.
0: So here are some other ghosts. Um, I don't think they're uh, specifically restricted to any floors or anything, but that they found through investigation. Sure. There's a ghost called Muriel who was murdered in Ward C. She was strangled by a piece of cloth that was found around her neck. Before she was murdered, she was tied to her bed by her hands, waist, and feet. It was revealed by her roommate that committed the crime after she confessed to it saying that she committed the murder because of improper advances that were made towards her. So these are like kind of things that people picked up like mediums is what i'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, i hope you i hope i made that and clear. And i would say
1: that's a very believable kind of horrible thing to happen. So yeah. i it doesn't
0: It doesn't surprise me like i can believe how this yeah. could be true. Yeah. Jim James is a ghost that had been that has been heard asking for a cigarette. Mm. In fact, one of one way to get this ghost to talk is to offer him a cigarette. Nice. If you don't have one on you, the tour guides actually provide them for you. So you can kind of use them as incentives.
1: Hey. Yeah. But then what happens to the cigarette when you offer it?
0: Uh, well, I mean, like you might catch her an EVP or like some sort of activity. You might hear something. That's kind mean, of what I mean. The
1: assumption is they're obviously not, there's not going to be a floating incorporeal oh, cigarette going that. around. So my <laughs> assumption then is they offer it and then they give it back to the tour guide. So these tour guides are like, got some like, cigarettes that have been handed or offered like 300 times i mean
0: possibly unless they're gonna smoke them later which would be weird
1: i don't know exactly
0: (laughs) maybe they're fake cigarettes i don't know
1: (laughs) candy cigarettes yeah that's when you get like the walls start shaking it's like what shit
0: is this (laughs) oh my god Uh, So those are kind of like the big highlights and the hauntings that happen in this place. Uh, I also have some reviews for you.
1: Perfect. My favorite part.
0: (laughs) The favorite part.
1: Seriously, I think I want Uh, most of my stuff to be reviews, but that I think would be a weird podcast. It would be weird. Maybe
0: it probably would be. So Willow M. said, I went on the daytime paranormal tour. A ghost scratched me. Five out of five. Donald Koseji, 2001, says... So we came as a group of 14, and we all experienced a lot of things happening with our electronics. I saw a quote-unquote mimic or clone of someone who I thought I was following, and he disappeared.
1: Interesting. Very I trippy. would also like to point out that you said this asylum was running into the 90s. He saw this in 2001, meaning it had been closed down for less than a decade.
0: This is when his, he created his account. I don't know if this is when he went.
1: Oh, you don't know if that's when he This posted. is part of his username. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was like from (laughs) 2001. I was like, I was like, it was already being toured just a few years after it closed. No, it was like
0: one word, Donald Koseji, 2001. Yeah. Anyway.
1: Who uses a date in their name?
0: I don't know. This guy, Donald. Actually, one of my emails has
1: a (laughs) a date in it. So
0: so so I just passed judgment
1: that is upon myself as well. The answer
0: has been (laughs) questioned. The question has been answered. I haven't even finished my wine yet. Oh my God. You
1: wouldn't know it.
0: Anyway, he said, very trippy. Someone got touched. Batteries died. A guy's phone overheated. Tons of activity. Highly recommend this place. And I can't wait to go back. Five (laughs) out of five. (laughs) Lori D. Now, this one was a review from October 2018. Wow. This place is legit. No fake props or modifications to the building to heighten fear. Just a lot of lost souls without a body or face reaching out. We got some type of response in every building that we went to. Uh, flashlights turning on by itself to answer our questions, voices through a spirit box, shadowy figures, Mist. footsteps, a door closing on its own, audible growls in some spots, you name it, we experienced it. Wow. That's like intense.
1: <laughs> Sometimes it's so overzealous. It makes me wonder if there's some lying. Like at I this mean, point, if, if a light breeze blew through the building, she's like, Oh, just got to chill. Another ghost Cold spot. Man, yeah. Put it on the list. <laughs>
0: Uh, this place is well worth the money and travel time. We got a great history lesson, some tips on ghost hunting equipment, and the chance to reach out those still stuck in what was probably a horrible place. We'll be back. Five out of five.
1: <laughs> I love going to horrible places.
0: Yeah. Jennifer L. We arrived at 830 and stayed till 4 a.m. We were with a bachelorette party of 12 ladies. We brought yeah, We brought only flashlights. We had several amazing experiences. We heard voices, knocks, footsteps, mumbling, and screech. Some of us got our hair pulled. Oof, that's a bachelorette party. (laughs) Ew. And we saw a ball roll by itself twice. All in all, it was a great experience. It was very much worth the money, and I would go back and do it again, five out of five. I
1: mean, is that really the right place for a bachelorette or a bachelor know. party? Because I thought it was like to celebrate your last day of, and it's even this is kind of a misnomer of singledom because you're not usually single when you're getting married. Right, right, right. Um, I didn't think it's like, well, we better go to a haunted building because I ain't dealing with hauntings after I'm married <laughs> or something. What's going on here?
0: Um, I have no idea. I think it's just something to do fun All because right. maybe you don't want it to act like you're single and you just want to have fun with your girls. Cuz the
1: best thing to have when you're about to get married is your something borrowed be a demon.
0: <laughs> hey Ghost, can I borrow you for a second? Oh yeah, cuz
1: if it's like if it's like an old blue dead demon, then it would be the something old, something borrowed and something blue. Yeah,
0: but how you got to give the demon back. Hopefully they know that. <laughs> so, Courtney G, this is from 2020. In one of the doctor's private offices my husband and I first went into, I had an overwhelming urge to throw up, and I thought I was going to pass out. As soon as we left the room, I was perfectly fine for the rest of the tour. I never said anything until later to my husband and told me he had a similar feeling in the same room. Now I wish I had said something. Five out of five. <laughs> Almost vomited. Five. <laughs> so basically reading through these reviews – I was shocked to see the amount of people that were claiming to see full body apparitions as well. So they'd be like, oh, I saw a shadowy figure or I saw this or that. Like, it seems to be pretty.
1: A very active. area. Very,
0: very active haunted building. And it kind of makes me want to go there even more. So. And you
1: said this one is in West
0: Virginia, did you say? Yeah, West Virginia.
1: Well, I, uh, we I, might be driving through that area at some point in the next year. We could maybe swing by. Yes. I do I'm have one more review. Oh, I want to hear it.
0: Okay. I didn't know. I just realized that I flipped, I flipped my page around and I was like, oh, there's another one. <laughs> Sorry. So this one is from Heather P. 2019. Wow, wow, wow. The plan was myself and some girlfriends to go and do the overnight tour. Naturally, everyone backed out on me after I bought my ticket. Oh, I forgot about that. When did I put this in here? So I went anyway, alone. What? Checking in was fine. You sign a waiver and get your commitment papers and group assignment. After our our first tour section, we were able to break into groups and explore the assigned floors on our own. Genius me got sidetracked checking out the old medications and realized I was alone. (laughs) In an abandoned haunted asylum, after a few minutes of panic, I proceeded to head back to the break room where there's light, using only my brand new mag light to lead the way, began to flicker and go off. Really starting to freak out, I hightailed it to safety And I arrived in the break room grabbing a drink and stepping outside for some fresh air with the others. We went back to explore the rooms in more detail and to do our own investigations. As we were waiting for our group to meet to move on to the next floor, I began taking pictures with my cell phone. In the first three pics, it wouldn't focus, so I stopped and looked through the ones that I had taken earlier. I took several throughout the night. Getting to the last picture I took, I almost peed my pants. (laughs) There was a figure in the corner. Mm. I showed it to my group and we tried to recreate it, but nothing would make the same shadow in the same place, nor was it as big as it was in the picture. More than a little freaked out, we moved to the next four and investigated it. We eventually called it quits at 3 a.m. I absolutely planned to return, and all in all, it was a great 40th birthday present to myself and planned to return five out of five.
1: Aww. So it's her birthday that everyone done <laughs> That everyone
0: ditched? Down. Oh no. Poor woman.
1: Yeah, if someone wanted to go to a really haunted place for their birthday, I probably don't know if I would go, but I would tell them but ahead you wouldn't, of time. I wouldn't I wouldn't like wait until the end and ditch it. I would just be like, yeah. Or you wouldn't say yes and then yeah, be like, like I'm no. Not, I'm not doing that.
0: Well, I hope if she does go back, she goes with better friends. That's all absolutely. I hope Absolutely. But yes. So now I'm finally done. This is the <laughs> end of my sorry.
1: <laughs> so are we supposed to go there now?
0: Yes, we hang out. We absolutely will. I don't want to do it overnight. Oh, we don't have to do that. So it looks like the overnight. And when I was reading some of the other reviews, yeah, you get there like at eight and you leave like at four, but you're never actually sleeping. You're just kind of there for like a really long, extended ghost like you think investigation. I could
1: sleep in a building
0: like <laughs> just, that? I'm just saying. I would totally
1: be like Bergara from uh, the Unsolved, oh, where yes. I was like, I'll I'll sit there in a haunted house all night, with my eyes open, darting around, ready to go. Exhausted. I would just
0: be. I couldn't sleep because I'm like, I just know. A rat or a cockroach is going to, like, get on my body somehow. And I'm just going to freak out. Like, that's what I'm worried about. Ugh.
1: I think most people we know would be fine with it. Like, our friend Lisa, she'd just be like, uh, take some melatonin or something. Yeah. Fall asleep. It's good.
0: <laughs> she's like, it's probably great for your back. Do it.
1: <laughs> but we think her house is actually haunted. and She's fine with it. And so. she, like, doesn't care. Yeah. She's, <sighs> she's tougher than me. Mm-hmm. But. All right, well, cool story. We'll have to check it out when we drive up to the East Coast, the New England area again within about a year, I'd say, within a year. Heck yeah. So we're going to check it out. So let's take a quick break. I got a story for you.
0: Okay, guys, we're back. And from a quite long break, I just took a break to go work out. And now we're here. And I think Chase has a story for us.
1: I did not work out.
0: No, you didn't. (laughs) But you did work on stuff. So that's good.
1: So there are a lot of stories that I want to share with you guys, but sometimes the world chooses them for me. And I think we need to address the big elephant in the room (laughs) on a special end of episode in Counter, 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 Counter. Today, we need to discuss all those crazy balloons and UFOs being shot down by the government. Yes. So as a practice, we avoid politics on this podcast unless it relates very specifically to our story, which is... Kind of common when it comes to UFOs. I'm sure many of our listeners are aware of this already, but recently, high-altitude balloons and other UFOs have been a rather hot topic in the news, at least in the U.S. So, I mean, I don't know if you guys are talking about it anywhere else in the world. Mm -hmm. So, it's big here, and that's why we're talking about it. So, apologize if that's boring. (laughs) (laughs) But it all started with the detection of a Chinese balloon floating over the United States. China claimed it was a weather balloon that went off course, and the military shot it down after it passed over South Carolina, kind of as it was going over the ocean. Yeah. And although most of the information is being kept secret, as you would assume, the Pentagon has officially stated that it was indeed a surveillance balloon. In the days following, several other objects were detected above North American land, all of which were also shot down. The only problem is officials claim they haven't found the remains of any of these other three objects yet. Huh. Huh. One of the objects was shot down over Alaska on February 10th and is claimed to have fallen into sea ice and recovery operations have commenced. They are trying to find it. Okay. Another, which was described as a radar anomaly, was shot down February 11th over northern Montana. And the final object was shot down over Canada's Yukon territory. This object was octagonal in shape and had, quote, strings hanging from it with no discernible payload, end quote. Although nothing has been confirmed or recovered, one theory has come to light. The Northern Illinois Bottle Cap Balloon Brigade, and that is their (laughs) name, were tracking their globe-trotting balloon in the Yukon area. It went missing in action on February 11th, so we totally shot down these guys' little balloon. Oh, my God. Now, I'm sure conspiracy theorists and ufologists are in fervor over this information. This excitement probably reached fever pitch when senators were given a classified briefing on the objects, after which Senator John Kennedy didn't know there was yet another Kennedy in office. Like, How many of these (laughs) are there, by the way? Is it
0: relation? No relation? We don't know.
1: At this point, I don't know. I didn't look into it. Once again, I tend to avoid politics in a deep fashion. But yeah. So a Senator John Kennedy said in an interview, quote, lock your doors tonight, end quote.
0: What? However. Was he laughing after he said that? Or he was was like, serious? "Serious? Oh my God what yeah
1: however it should be noted that the white house press secretary karine jean pierre stated that there was quote no indication of aliens or extraterrestrial activity end quote <laughs> so my assumption is if that is true and we're not being lied to whatever was in that briefing definitely seemed to scare this kennedy senator dude
0: all right i'm glad he was in that room
1: and although preliminary reports suggest that the other three UFOs were likely balloons or drones created by private companies or educational institutes or a balloon group of buddies. Of a gang. <laughs> it doesn't change the fact that all of them were shot down with brute force. Not something we do normally. Yeah. Considering that our skies are more crowded with flying objects than ever before, the rarity of these objects being shot down should give us pause because it just happened three times. Four, actually. I'd like to think that this was just a reaction to the press attention given to the Chinese surveillance balloon and that these other three have no inherent significance. I mean, that's the logical train of thought, it seems at least. But I can't help but think that there is a little more going on than we hear. The Tic Tac video, the famous one I've talked about in previous episodes in which a U.S. fighter pilot is having trouble tracking a fast-moving object comes to mind. We did not shoot that down. We did not try to shoot that down. And we can be sure that it wasn't a balloon with how it was moving. So what are the justifications for shooting down unidentified objects in the sky? It's unlikely because of danger because none of the objects shot down seem to have shown any immediate threat or even near Mm -hmm. people when they were shot down. And when you take both the alien train of thought and the international espionage train of thought, Neither of them really bring comfort, because the idea is, oh, it's either aliens or espionage. Both Russia and China have at least publicly announced that they have shot down floating objects in recent days, both of which were described as large and ball-like, probably balloons.
0: Probably, yeah. So has a little paranoid or something. Exactly. Yeah.
1: So has the alien invasion begun, or are these less (laughs) scary than we have a predisposition to assume? According to an article on ABC News, around 1,800 weather balloons are deployed every single day. Mm. As for balloons launched in just the United States, we're looking at around at least 92 every day. Now, these balloons can range in their size, elevation reached, as well as how long they can be up, how far they can travel, all that good stuff. And most typically only travel 30 or 35 miles, but plenty can go considerably farther and be up a lot longer. And that doesn't cover all cases, especially when things go wrong. So the big question you might have is, if there are so many, why haven't you seen any in the sky? (laughs) Chances are you have. And the number of well-documented weather balloons being misseen as UFOs is staggering. I mean, think about all the times when... People say, I see a UFO and people just say, weather balloon, we roll our eyes. But when you realize that 1,800 of these go up a day, you're like, okay, this is a lot more likely, especially considering a lot of weather balloons are covered in kind of like a foil shiny material that make them- It's very
0: reflective. shiny
1: and silver. The next time you see something in the sky, think for a second and go, that actually might be a weather balloon because there's probably a shit ton in the sky right now. Because I think
0: like a lot of people are like, oh, another one. And you're like, well, actually there's like 82 deployed (laughs) apparently every single day. So yeah, maybe.
1: Yeah. So maybe- I think the big issue is that Roswell kind of ruined it. Sure. Because, like, Roswell is a big conspiracy where a lot of people think, you know, that absolutely was not a weather balloon. A lot of other <laughs> stuff happened. So people are now going, oh, the government just says weather balloons.
0: Well, that's also their fault. It's like, okay, it but you said it was and it obviously wasn't. So you kind of lied to us and we don't believe you now.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Well, I know I myself have for sure seen a weather balloon on a, once again, a previous episode. I told the story about how it was at a beer festival. And everyone was looking up the sky, and I looked up, and you saw this big, shiny thing that was it, it, it was catching the light so brightly. We didn't know what it was. It we just sitting up there forever, mm-hmm. and, you know, I was drunk, so obviously I was handling so the situation really yeah. well. When I went home like a couple days later, found out that it was a well-documented balloon launched from a southern city. We knew about it. So anyway, that's one I've definitely seen, and it was really freaky until people were like, it's probably a weather balloon, and I was like, yeah, it probably is. <laughs> So we should take a moment to think about balloon launches that aren't well-documented or even official. It might seem like those are rare, but I want to share a brief story with you about how easy it really is. And Lily's going to roll her eyes because I think (laughs) she's heard this story a million times because it's just kind of one of our go-to stories for new people.
0: Well, it's just like one of those stories that I've heard from roommates and everything. But like, yeah, go ahead. I won't even say anything. So
1: hopefully this is new to most of you. But back in 2009, when I was in college living with a bunch of roommates, I had a roommate for uh, a semester who was an exchange student from Denmark and his name was Rasmus. He was a photography student and he had some creative and out there ideas for kind of projects that he was going to work on. One of the things that he did is he purchased an old US military weather balloon on eBay, proving that you can honestly find anything online <laughs> if you're looking for it. I didn't even know you could buy old weather balloons online, but he absolutely did it. And this was a big... Weather balloon.
0: He also said he was really drunk when he bought it. He didn't remember until it showed up. Yeah, it was
1: one of his favorite things to do was get drunk in eBay, which I have done a few times since. I (laughs) judged him hard then, but I've done it. Yeah. He also, after he got the balloon, he went to one of the nearby gas works supplies and got a massive cylinder of helium gas, like a giant, you know, high pressure helium gas cylinder. And so, what was his plan? He was going to set up a fake car accident in our front yard. And launch this balloon into the sky with a video camera on the bottom to capture the scene bird's eye view. He had a big old grand idea. He wasn't getting too big on the details, but this is what he wanted to do. He borrowed one of the expensive cameras from the university and said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to launch it in the sky (laughs) and this is okay.
0: (laughs) It was so stupid.
1: So if you're already questioning the logistics and safety of this, I want you to feel comfortable that my role in this operation was to stand on the roof with a bow and arrow to shoot the balloon down if it got too high (laughs) or out of control. I didn't do this because I thought it was a good idea. I did it because he asked me to, and I knew he had no other options, so I was trying to help. But I was very nervous about the situation. Your plastic
0: bow and arrow from when you were 10 years old, (laughs) that's the one you were using. Exactly.
1: I should also point out that we were in the middle of the city, And when he started filling the balloon, it finally dawned on us how big this weather balloon was. Mm -hmm. I think he got to over, like, 12 feet in diameter, and then he let some out, if I'm not mistaken, because he's like, yeah, we're not going to fill this all the way. He made it smaller, yeah. Because it was going to, this, you know, weather balloon could probably get at high elevations bigger than a house.
0: Yeah, I got so, like nervous and I think I just went inside I'm like I'm not gonna watch you guys kill yourself over this and I've already said my piece absolutely
1: I well yeah and I, I stayed for the whole thing because it was great <laughs> <laughs> so the plan was to put the camera on and send it up and we were working on it and getting it going and then the wind picked up mm-hmm. so it hadn't quite launched we're still holding on to it and the wind blows this balloon against the house and we have like an, a, an adobe house or a Fake Adobe house at the time, and it just tore a little hole in the side of this balloon, and it started leaking air. So, what did we decide to do at this moment? Did we think, oh, can we repair the balloon? No, we decided because we had been drinking beers while we were doing this whole thing. <laughs> I'm sure this balloon project is bunk. What should we do? So, we just took turns sticking our head in the balloon, breathing helium, so we could get the big oh, squeaky voices as long you know as long as there was still some left in the uh, in the cylinder.
0: Right, that's a lot.
1: Yeah, so it didn't actually go up, but it was so close to going up. And I just wanted to use that as an example that we had um, a foreign national exchange student who came here, you know, first schooling. He was able to very legally and very easily purchase a military weather balloon, get a a helium Helium. cylinder, like a six foot tall giant cylinder, fill it up and get ready to launch it. That's how easy this is. So I think we should take a moment and go there are a lot of things in the sky and there's a good chance a drunk idiot college students launched it. <laughs> so it may not always be a UFO.
0: It just sounds just as scary though. <laughs> oh yeah,
1: but it's scary in a different way. It's like, it's God, we're all idiots. Yeah. I can't believe we're doing this. And for once, I'm telling a story about people being idiots and I'm one of them. Yay. But if you think I'm going to just end my segment there about kind of being skeptical and naysay about the stuff being shot down... Then you don't know me well, and you're gravely mistaken, <laughs> because this is Hair the Werewolf, and we're here to scare, not laugh. <laughs> as easy as the that recent news I just covered was to dismiss or be comfortably skeptical about, while researching it, I came across a couple little stories that do actually disturb me a little Ooh,
0: bit. Okay,
1: so it's time for some fear. <laughs> I hate referencing anything from the Daily Mail, but this one is quite interesting, so I'm making an exception. In an article posted on the 21st of February this year, two Air Force veterans claim to have testified about UFO sightings to the All Domain Anomaly Resolution Office, or AARO. I talked about them very recently in an episode. That is the new organization formed by the government to do research into these unidentified aerial phenomena, UFOs, everything like this. Oh, right.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's
1: it's run by the Pentagon. It's brand new. They're very public about it existing. They're not necessarily public about their findings, but they're public about it existing. We're all really excited. They haven't even been open a year, but it seems like they're making waves and doing stuff, and this is pretty awesome. Nice. Yeah, so the ARO, which is part of the Office of the Secretary of Defense, less than a year old, has started reaching out and trying to get a hold of people to interview them to get information. So what intrigued me about this particular story in the Daily Mail was that these veterans that they interviewed weren't talking about things that happened recently. Oh. They were talking about stuff from the 1960s.
0: Oh, there we go.
1: So if they thought it was interesting enough to get this information that is now 60 years old, this is kind of a big deal. The first report discussed in the article centered around the former Air Force officer Robert Salas. Could be Salas, not sure who was in charge of ICBM launches at the time of his sighting. ICBM is Intercontinental Ballistic Missiles. Mm. The year was 1967. He was stationed at Maelstrom Air Force Base in Montana. On either March 24th or 25th, Solace alleges that him and several other officers noticed, quote, there was a large, glowing, pulsating, red, oval-shaped object hovering over the front gate, end quote, Uh which was near the Oscar Flight Launch Control Facility. But unlike most UFO sightings, where it is only a visual spectacle, something troubling actually happened. As soon as the UFO arrived, all 10 of the nuclear warheads located on the launch facility deactivated. (gasps) What? Now, that's not something that's supposed to happen. And they all (laughs) happened at the exact same time when this UFO was, you know, allegedly outside.
0: Was this like later correlated kind of thing like it was like oh we saw it and then they were like reporting no this all
1: happened at once
0: they all everyone knew this was. oh yes they were
1: they just saw everything they were in charge of falling apart
0: oh for
1: them going offline what i mean is they deactivated they were unlaunchable and according to the article it took several hours to get them back online and retargeted to work correctly
0: oh my god So they
1: just all went out so we're talking either a convenient system bug that happened right when this was outside or just happened at the exact same time
0: how long did it last like the the glowing thing
1: oh it wasn't too terribly long if it mentioned it in the article and i don't think it did my assumption is minutes or less okay as you can imagine this issue was investigated and no official cause was found or at least declared Salas claims that him and his fellow officers were interviewed and had to sign ndas about it which makes sense even without the ufo this was the height of the cold war and we're talking about like Mm. nuclear safety and everything But Salas has been outspoken about trying to get people to hear his story, namely government officials. Good. The second report discussed in the article was from former Air Force officer Dr. Robert Jacobs. He's a doctor now, if I have that correct. At the time of his alleged sighting, he worked with a team that filmed test launches at Vandenberg Air Force Base, which is located in California. His team was specifically in charge of the telescopic camera. On September 15th, 1964, so this was a couple years before the one we just mentioned, his team captured unusual footage on film. Okay. I'm going to just read Jacob's transcript because it sounds better than if I tried to rewrite it for you guys. And
0: then just, I hope I didn't, I missed it. I probably did. But this is also in Montana, the same location, or is this?
1: No, this one is in California. Oh, California. I think.
0: Okay. Yes. Yes. Okay.
1: Yeah. This one's in California. All right. So here's the transcript of what he said. Quote, We watched the third stage burn out, and into the flame came something else. It flew into the frame, and it shot a beam of light at the warhead. Mm. Now, remember, all this stuff is flying at several thousand miles an hour. So this thing fires a beam of light at the warhead, hits it, and then it moves up, fires another beam of light, goes down, and fires another beam of light, and then flies out the way it came in. What? And the warhead tumbles out of space. The object, the points of light that we saw, the warhead and so forth, were traveling through subspace about 60 miles straight up. And they were going somewhere in the neighborhood of 11,000 to 14,000 miles an hour, which this UFO caught up to them, flew in, flew around them, and flew back out. Oh my Now, God. I saw that. I don't give a goddamn what anyone else says about it. <laughs> I saw that on film. I was there. End quote.
0: Oh, shit.
1: Yeah, I like that. I, I, yeah. I want to point out that this guy's a, a doctor, and I don't know if that means medical doctor. I think it's like a PhD doctor sure. or whatnot, but he seems pretty adamant about this, and I bet he's gotten a lot of crap about oh, it, because you, you don't respond that way.
0: He's very defensive, but he's also very thorough about it. He's like, yeah. this is exactly what occurred. I'm not just some um, saying like, oh, we don't know why this was here. Like, we had something going on. This interfered. It's for real. Right? It's so scary.
1: So- that's what he said that that's what he's said after the fact, but right after it happened, Jacobs showed the footage to his boss. Could be Major Florenze Mansman. That's l- literally the name I'm getting, Mansman. <laughs> okay. As well as two CIA officers. A nineteen eighty seven letter from Mansman confirmed Jacob's story saying they saw the footage four times before the CIA took the footage and quote shipped it to an undisclosed location on the East Coast, end quote. He also mentioned in the letter, quote, I ordered Lieutenant Jacobs not to discuss what he saw with anyone because of the nature Mm -hmm. of the launch, the failure of the launch mission, and the probability that optical instrumentation showed an interference with normal launch patterns, end quote. In regards to the object itself, he claims it was indeed saucer-shaped.
0: Oh, whoa. Whoa.
1: Now, the biggest issue with both of these, now, we can't see interviews with Man's Man now because he passed away like in 2000 or so, I believe. Okay. Whereas these other two guys are still very much alive that got interviewed. They had to have been, obviously.
0: Do you think it's maybe Man's Man?
1: It could be Man's Man.
0: That sounds better than Man's Man.
1: <laughs> man's Man, but it has two ends at the end. Man's oh, man. I don't know then. Uh, anyway. Whatever. But the biggest issue with both of these stories is how old they are and how little evidence the public has access to. The film footage, as well as the specifics about what happened to all the ICBM missiles is not available to us. It won't be available to us. We're talking about defense Mm -hmm. information, so obviously we can't see it. And both of these men are veterans, which gives them a level of believable experience with the situation. However, if I remember correctly, and I was having trouble finding again to verify, so I apologize, at least one of them went to the National Enquirer with the story.
0: Oh, okay. Now,
1: it was something about being the only place that would listen, and I do get that. Sometimes I, when you're talking about UFO stuff, no one wants to pay attention.
0: I agree, and I, I don't blame people, especially back in the day. There was no resources. There was not even... Mm-hmm. Um, I forgot what the other UFO gathering information people are, but Muffin? Mufon Muffon. Yeah, but I like call them the muffins. <laughs> yeah, right. the muffins. Um, I, there was just nothing. There was nothing. There wasn't even Unsolved Mysteries to give you the time of day.
1: You're absolutely right, uh, but at the same time... If we're just being balanced in our look at that, it means he also sold it to the National Enquirer. He got paid Mm. and he went to a known tabloid rag. And so no matter what his intentions were, that's going to hurt the credibility.
0: I do understand where you're coming from, but a lot of times payment also means consent. So I think there has to be an exchange for them to be like, look, just even if it's $5 or whatever, you might not want this money. You might see it as a perk as well. But this transaction, like, leaves them out of liability as well. They're like, I mean, I know it's the Inquirer, so they're making shit up all the time anyway. But at the same time, it could be like, Mm -hmm. whatever. Well, I think you
1: do make a good point that there just weren't that many options back then. And that was something I wasn't fully letting my brain contemplate. Because that is a good point. Because nowadays, I'd say, well, why would I go to a tabloid? I could just post online. But that wasn't an option for him.
0: No. What would have been the options?
1: Yeah, but at the same time, there's still just something because it was it's such an infamous tabloid. And yeah. And it really would hurt. Like, if we have three guys who say they've seen UFOs and we don't know their stories, but I know one of them went to the National Enquirer, he's the one I'm going to pay attention to the least. Does that make me biased? Absolutely. So sure. my bias is based off of experience. Well, I think,
0: like, now, especially today, it would be very weird. You could just put a YouTube video out yourself. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you don't even have to go to the Enquirer anymore.
1: Absolutely. Or no. Or go to listen. Completely. So it is a lot better now, isn't it, it for, is a lot for people with their thoughts? Because for every person who might find your UFO story crazy, there's going to be someone who believes you, and you know, the there's internet even a hotline. sometimes gives you access.
0: To yeah, that. we talked about. There's a hotline you can just at least report your story. They'll they'll record it, they'll transcribe it, and done. And, you're and like, they post okay. it.
1: And it's it's available to the public, and
0: it's available to the public. Which exactly. I do like. So Which I do like. yeah, it's easy now.
1: I'm pretty sure nowadays if I saw something that I was curious about, I would probably report it to the the muffin the muffin people. Mm-hmm. But with the understanding that they're probably gonna find out that it's something completely explainable, which I would hope, because then I can stop thinking about it. But it would be kind of
0: cool to know if it was explainable too. Absolutely. Just so that way I don't have to lock my doors. <laughs> I mean I do I do anyway, like but the senator. <laughs> like this editor.
1: So did UFOs actually disable the missile defenses? Were they top secret craft being tested against ourselves to see if we could disable other nuclear bombs? Is it all just BS? I think that's for you guys to decide, Mm. not me. And I can only hope that more stories come out thanks to the AARO investigations. I just wanted to cover the current events as well as share those two little creepy stories with you that maybe aliens are trying to keep us from nuking each other, which might be a good thing.
0: Maybe, or they're just kind of making us more paranoid.
1: Just making sure they can stop us from trying to nuke them? Yeah. Nah.
0: They're like, oh, they don't have it right yet. It's fine.
1: But that is today's end of episode in Counter, Counter,
0: encounter. That's one of my favorites so far, I think. I don't know. I really like it. It's, like you said, it's current... And it's bringing back some old stories that no one else would have listened otherwise.
1: Yeah, I was a little nervous just covering the recent news stuff because there wasn't anything scary there. But I do feel since we talk about UFOs, and this is like one of the first time UFO or or UAP and all that stuff has actually been on the national news long enough. I'm like, how could I not discuss it? (laughs) But I also knew I needed some creepy stuff. So when I started seeing those, I was like, now we have a full story.
0: Now it's complete.
1: And that's what I was going for. So those are the stories for today.
0: And we're gonna talk about Smile. I we're think. gonna talk about Smile. I yeah. Just want to
1: make sure there wasn't anything else we needed to Can't, mention. I don't think so. No, I think we're good. Just rolling around. We're getting real close to episode 100. Woo-hoo. We do not know what we're doing about that yet, but <laughs> we are thinking about it. So keep that in mind. Yeah. Yeah. Today is episode 90. Never thought we'd make it this far. Oh my so god! This me is either. awesome. This is awesome. And so with episode 90, we're gonna talk about the movie Smile. Now. We always do our movie month for October and that was a big new, it had just come out and we couldn't go to theaters to see it. So we had no way of seeing it. It was too expensive to rent. So we didn't go for it, but we were interested. We thought the trailers looked pretty interesting, but I wasn't like super sold on it. Right. I was kind of like, that could easily be a bad movie or a good movie.
0: Yeah. When I saw the trailer, I I really got the whole jump scare. Like they really push it obviously for younger audience, but also Mm -hmm. anyone who just likes that kind of that type of horror that's faster and, you know, constantly like in your face. And that's how it felt in, the, in the trailer. And I was glad about it. Yeah. But it was so much better than I expected.
1: So just as a reminder, there will be spoilers discussed here. So if you don't want the movie ruined and you think you're actually going to watch it, by all means, check out our next episode if it's out yet. And we'll see you then. Otherwise, stay tuned because we're, we're going to do we're, We don't try to ruin anything, but sometimes we just have to discuss it. So <laughs> Here we go. So Smile came out about six months ago on September 30th, 2022. It is the third feature film by director Parker Finn. And for those of you that care about review scores, it has an 80% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes and a 6.6 out of 10 on IMDb, which for horror films we've discussed
0: Honestly, at depth is really anything good. a six and over for horror is basically... It's like Oscar an, worthy. It's like, like at
1: high eight nine for a normal. Movie.
0: Right, exactly.
1: Because yeah. uh, IMDb definitely seems to not like horror, and I and I don't think it's because it's horror very fans are there. I think it's because fans of anything. I'm I'm a huge fan of so many different things. I'm a I'm a comic book fan. There's video games that are like. The more you are a fan of something, and you see what fan culture is, fan cultures are built around hating things as much as they love them. So <laughs> yeah. I think that's kind of where it is. Uh, yes. I will also say, I think the best thing about this movie mm-hmm. was that I think it's like some of the other horror films. The less you know going in, the more it's going to be able to hit you hard because it had been so long since I'd seen the trailer. I couldn't even remember what it was about when we actually watched it, except that there was smiling in it. That's, okay, That's all I, I had.
0: I absolutely remembered the trailer. I, I don't know if, if I would say like the least you know, the better. Not in this movie in particular, especially since the trailer doesn't really give you a whole lot, mm-hmm. except um, obviously this person is hallucinating and seeing people- appear a little weird and different within her own perception. So that's and that's what the trailer provided.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So the film stars Sozie Bacon. I have no idea if she's related to Kevin Bacon or she just Mm. has an equally delicious name. (laughs) She plays Rose Cotter, a psychologist who helps people suffering from various traumas and psychological issues. Very early in the film, before they even show the title She talks to a patient who is undergoing a massive episode. She is seeing an entity that no one else sees. She describes it as sometimes wearing other people's faces as masks and that it always has a smile, but not a pleasant or happy smile, a disturbing and creepy one. After a fit of rage, the patient then slits her own throat in front of Rose, making a very disturbing smile while she does it. After this incredibly traumatic experience, you see the title and Mm -hmm. Rose is understandably upset only weird things began to happen to her that mirror what the former patient described
0: yeah so it's like she it's like she caught a cold like she caught her mental illness which is very it's a very strange thing to, under, to, to think, right? Because like yeah. we don't think about mental illness that way unless it's like syphilis.
1: I do, though. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm, and I want to go to that in a minute, which is why I think this movie really worked for me. But yeah, exactly what you just said is that it's like she caught this mental illness, which brings about a lot of questions. One, it makes it similar to It Follows because the mm-hmm. idea of a haunting or horror can be transferred between people. One of my Really faves. brilliant idea. Yeah. But it also makes you question during this entire film Is she actually crazy and just seeing things or is this an entity or an incorporeal being that is moving between people? I think if
0: you really pay attention into the movie, you really, really can't tell which one it is, especially, and again, this isn't like a spoiler because this is constant throughout the movie Mm -hmm. where she's having basically massive psychotic episodes where is it the entity creating this world that she can't escape Or is it just her own mind betraying her? crazy, yeah. Yeah, and you're just like, I don't know. But it's amazing.
1: And I will also say that the idea of a smile being creepy, I mean, there's always the uneasy smiles that everyone talks about, but I would have never thought someone could make a horror movie where people are smiling and it actually was scary. But they kind of succeeded for me. I don't think it's gonna work on everybody. Yeah. uh, But it did work on me and for other people it works on. It's a pretty unnerving feeling, but I can see how it wouldn't work for others. So let's talk about why I think this movie worked for me. So I don't even think I mentioned it. I loved this movie. I thought it was amazing. Yeah, I, thought I this think it was, was obvious. I thought it was great. <laughs> I've always had a fear ever since I was a kid about losing my mind. I don't actually know where the origin of that fear comes from, but I always have this fear of going crazy. Mm-hmm. This idea that what's going on in your mind is not representational of what's actually happening in the world and, you, and there's no way of controlling that. I can't think of anything scarier than that to me. Apart from, you know, dying. Sure. And so losing my mind has always been something that scared me. And for some reason, just as weird as my fear of going crazy has been, I've always had this weird feeling that mental illnesses were somehow infectious. Now I know scientifically that is not true. I know that that doesn't happen. I know the science there and I believe it and I know that to be true. But it doesn't change the fact that ever since I was a kid, I've always had this feeling that being around crazy people, you could catch crazy, which I'm sure is... Something that people are like, I can't believe how insensitive it is. I can't change how that makes me feel. Well,
0: I don't think that's necessarily something that people don't inherently might feel initially. But I don't... So, like, for example, just to... Not trying to bring back my story, but a little bit. People that were admitted into the hospital, they did say they once they were released or whatever, they had some sort of trauma because they were around Mm -hmm. such a hostile environment. And I'm not saying like they caught schizophrenia or anything, but they might've had to do things to survive. And then then themselves are now mentally ill because of such horrific experiences that they went through. I mean, again, this is a very specific, horrifying situation, but I can kind of see what you mean. Like, you're like, I I can't focus if I'm with around people that are not stable. And I agree. And this is like, like a hard dose almost. Well,
1: and then there's also the stories about how like people who have lots of cats are more prone to developing schizophrenia. What? Yeah. And and the question that was raised when that came out was, is it because the kinds of people who would just get lots of cats are already predisposed to that or are they getting it from the cats? And, I've
0: never heard of that. But
1: I read that story like 15 years ago. <laughs> and so I don't remember the details. It could have
0: been like one of those like maybe, but Yeah, I don't remember not. the
1: details, but I, I, it did not tell me that you know, schizophrenia is is contagious or anything like that. I'm sure. But it it was still something that spooked me. And so this movie literally took a very irrational, dumb fear I have, a fear that I know is dumb. And they said, let's just pretend that's real. And that really <laughs> grinded my bones and it scared the crap out of me.
0: And that's one perspective, or you can really believe that you're cursed. Yes. This is a supernatural situation. It is not you. It's not your fault. You just happen to be the next target, just like in it follows where you're in you're infected with it's like a disease demon or like a disease I don't know, yeah. supernatural haunting entity. And that's like the one that I was following to begin with. And at the end, I was kind of a little, oh, you never know, like which one it is. Not that I was confused, just, you know, it, le- it left it open for interpretation.
1: But I find both absolutely terrifying. Going crazy or being possessed by an entity <laughs> are both kind of the end of the road, especially because as they establish in this movie, everyone who's had it before has died.
0: Yeah, and that's and a they die
1: within just a few days of getting it, and they always get it because they've witnessed someone killing themselves. Mm-hmm. And the idea is that everyone who kills themselves is possessed by this entity or mental illness, and it transfers to someone who witnesses it. And so this movie is her descending further and further into a state of terror, be it psychosis or possession, and trying to not die. Right. I think for the most part, the pacing, everything about the movie was really well done. I think one of the things that makes this movie really work is the director has a very
0: it's a, he unique, has a really good eye, though, but a
1: unique approach to making an image yeah. look creepy and unsettling that anyone else directing it or any other cinematographer shooting it would not have looked as creepy or anything. Like he got, he found out how to. I mean, he get did.
0: Right. He did exactly, in my opinion, what It Follows did. It did what The Ring did. Somehow, the daylight was not an issue like a lot of these shots were during like a lot of it was during the day and it was still very scary it Mm -hmm. didn't need the dark it didn't need what's in that corner it was its own entire atmosphere yeah i don't know how they do it in the cinema like honestly i don't know how directors do this but it was amazing
1: yeah it was a great combination of audio music visuals great acting i mean the acting in this movie is phenomenal there's a lot of familiar faces in this that have smaller roles but everyone does a great job the the big names that are in small roles and the oh, yeah. small names that Everyone are in big was roles great. it was absolutely fantastic i i do have one major complaint about the film though at some point what's going on in her head be it a psychosis or a possession manifests into a physical entity that she sees and interacts with and i did not find that scary at all in fact it looked like it looked like a high school goth kid <laughs> what wearing somebody else's pajamas
0: i would say I will never want to go to your high school if that was the case. Anyway, okay, so here's exactly. the thing. <laughs> The guy in this movie has that. No, they don't. So I would say that the ending was actually more impressive once I learned a little bit more about it. And this actually just popped up because I follow a subreddit on on Reddit. That's horror. And they talk about this movie. And the one thing I learned was, uh, yeah, I guess that's mostly, it's not CGI. It's not animated. It's, it's like real.
1: Oh, yeah. I think that's the same guy who... I could be wrong, but he kind of had that long, gangly body. I think he was the guy who In played, Wreck? Yeah, I think he was the guy at the end of the American version of Wreck, I think. Yeah, yeah. I could be wrong about that. I did not look into it. I just assumed, because there's like this one guy who is regularly and used for creepy stuff. And he's often used. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: I mean, this is what he does. I mean, I'm not trying to, again, spoil, but the entire thing that you would be like, oh, they probably just did a CGI. Like, no, these are all like real shots. This mm-hmm. is- uh, tangible so I think I really I love that
1: yeah the movie feels very surreal and out of body experience but not because you're seeing visual effects but just because the way the camera is shot the way the people are moving the way the, it is lit removes you from reality but it is also still very obviously reality it's yeah so it's not fake I don't know stuff.
0: it did a really good job I recommend it
1: absolutely I want to say other things to people who are concerned about things that they do and don't like about horror films I can guarantee you this is the kind of horror film that you may love or you may hate. It's either going to get you or it's not. And so I apologize if it wastes your time and and you're one of the ones who doesn't get. But it should say this movie is not full of nudity. It's not full of cussing. There is some blood because you do see some people kill themselves. But it's not like a hyper violent movie. It's not a gore fest or anything like that. This is a very psychological horror film. And I would say it is a horror film. Oh, Uh, yeah. You know, it's not a thriller. This is a horror film. If you find yourself particularly squeamish with the exception of the scene we already described about the girl killing herself, most of the stuff is not going to make you squeamish, it, but it will make you, it's terrifying. So <laughs> that's kind of just to give you an example of if you're trying to avoid certain kinds of movies, but I loved it. I thought it was great.
0: I actually can't wait to see it again. Oh yeah, I keep yeah, me thinking too. about it I've all rewatched the, time.
1: the intro three times now.
0: You have?
1: Yeah, well, I needed to, to, to kind of just really wrap my head around what I was looking at. Okay, fair. Um, had I known how much I liked it, I would have absolutely gone and seen it in theaters. Not because it needs to be in theaters, but I wouldn't have waited six months. It, <laughs> this movie was, you know, I think it's going to be kind of like a lot of people talked about other horror movies. Like, oh, this is great. And everyone needed to see them, like The Baba Duke, which we were disappointed in. I think this is going to be in that same realm that it's going to be one a lot of people talk about. And it's either going to hit or miss with people. I but agree. when it hits, it's going to hit hard. Yeah. So I'm glad finally one of these movies everyone was talking about hit me
0: hard. Finally. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Oh, we did see Terrifier too. I don't know if anyone cares about that movie. Chase seems to like it. I think you said this last time. You're like, I think every time I see it, I like it less, and then I almost died inside. But I loved the first one. The second one, I it was a little bit my fault. I watched it while I had quite a few beers, and I think I should give it another chance because it wasn't, it wasn't quite there for me.
1: I wasn't fully in my. I was, I was out of sorts as well. I was not drinking, but people who know me know what I'm talking about. And I fell asleep. So yeah. I missed, I missed like the last third. It is a very different movie from the first one. So I need to give it another shot. I can't fully talk about it because, yeah, I, I really I mean, wouldn't know what to do. I, I do
0: remember you falling asleep and I was like, should I wake him up? But again, I had a few beers and I was like, I'm having a good time. <laughs> I can finish it. I can... <laughs> so I was like,
1: that's the same, right?
0: That's the same. Um, yeah. I'll tell him later.
1: So sometimes.
0: Sometimes I fall asleep. Yeah, it happens. It yeah. happens. But anyway.
1: Uh, we'll give it another shot. And once we've really seen it, we'll probably discuss it again. In fact, it might just be one of the movies we do next Halloween, you know, a, yeah. d- a double feature day and we could really discuss it. I mean,
0: then. it's not like I can wait on that one and put it on the list. Although with Smile, I'm going to watch that again soon. So we'll see.
1: Oh, yeah. And I'd love to watch that one with you. I think mm-hmm. we need to show it to our niece, Olivia. I think it's yeah. a high school appropriate movie.
0: <laughs> Get ready.
1: I think that brings our episode to a close. We've got a few things, a few things to discuss. We've got a couple treats on the horizon that are going to come out by the time we have our hundredth episode. Mm-hmm. But we are working on a project that involves videos on YouTube. So, oh,
0: that's right, yeah,
1: yeah. So we might be playing video games, horror video games, and doing our commentary during it. It wouldn't be part of the podcast, but it would be. Hair of the Werewolf thing that we put on YouTube for people who are interested in that. Because I know not everyone who listens to this would care to see that. So it'll kind of be a separate thing. But it'll be our wonderful therapeutic voices discussing yeah. horror while we play so video like, games and stab things.
0: Man, their voices. I need that more in my life. Well, there you go.
1: Yeah, you could just set the videos as like an alarm clock in the morning. Start your day off right. You're like the screeching. <laughs> just the shaking. But anyway... So few fun things coming between now and our 100th episode. I'm really excited. We hope you guys are here for it and that you guys can give us feedback and let us know what we're doing right. Yay. So thank you guys for joining us at Hair of the Werewolf. If you have any comments or questions, please drop us a line at hotwpodcast at gmail.com. To any new listeners, we hope you enjoyed it. And make sure to catch our next episode or deep dive into any of our previous episodes. For our longtime listeners at work or driving, have a safe day. And for those of you that are drinking, we hope your tomorrow isn't too rough. But don't worry if it is, because the best cure for a hangover
0: is fear. Bye. See ya.